The Word of God is alive. And the Word of God is powerful. And as we started this series last week, uh, I was going to begin in John, but uh, we're going to have to start over there in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Well, I'm going to go back to Hebrews chapter 3. I want to give you some context uh, again for this, and um, led by the Spirit of the Lord, and directed by the Spirit, so that's how we'll do it. Wherefore, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, or literally the Greek says our confession, Christ Jesus. You know, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Christianity is known as the great confession. Why is that? Because that confession not only gets us into the kingdom, but that confession takes all of the things of God, all of the promises, all of the benefits, all of the anointing, all of the grace of God, and your confession will make that show up in your life, or your confession will prevent that from showing up in your life. All the way from the second that you were born again, if you confess with your mouth, if you declare with your mouth, if you use your tongue, your lips, and your voice to declare, Jesus is Lord, there is power when you do that. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, Sozo will be produced in your life. Salvation will be produced in your life. Actually, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he has made us ministers of reconciliation. In other words, that you know, to wit that God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world unto favor with himself. In other words, he has made the believer a servant or someone that serves up reconciliation to the world that was produced in God. So that our role, if you're a believer here this morning, that your job, your role, your ambassadorship is to bring the reconciliation of God to people that don't know that they're already considered and declared right with God. And all they have to do to benefit from that is not resist it, yield to it, surrender to it, accept it. In other words, we're not trying to produce something on our own and we're not trying to make something happen that God didn't already do and God didn't already accomplish in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All, all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. Amen, like so let it be unto me. Uh, all the promises of God, not just some, but all of them. So consider, the Holy Ghost says, consider, think on, meditate on, look to the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
there's something about considering or beholding or looking into. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which I just quoted, starts out with the word in my King James Bible, behold. In other words, stop, ponder, look and see, let it sink in. Behold. Uh, uh, um, see it. If any man be in Christ, uh, Amplified uh, Translation says, um, I think it's Amplified, says be united to Christ, or actually Amplified says engrafted into Christ. If any man be engrafted into Christ, I love that, I love that imagery because Jesus said in John chapter 14 and 15, particularly 15, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. He talks about the branch abiding in the vine. That he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And so if you abide in him, behold, if any man be engrafted into Christ, like a branch is engrafted into a vine or into a trunk, why do you engraft that? Well, if you don't engraft that, if you just kind of like tape it up uh, on a tree, that branch is just going to start withering and dying. It may look fine for a second, but, you know, I just cut down some, some trees maybe like a week ago, a week and a half ago, and now all the leaves are brown and they're about ready to start falling off because I haven't had time to finish them up, so they're just laying in my yard. <laughs> and so all the leaves, because they've lost what? They've lost the flow of life into them. And so Jesus is that flow of life into the believer. And that life originates in God and is from God. Actually, in the, in the Gospel of John, you see, in him was life. Greek word is zoe. And zoe means the very life of God and the nature of God. It's the quality of life. And it is the very essence of God. Jesus said, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, in abundance. And um, the life of God, the effect of the life of God on man's spirit cannot be underestimated. So consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house." <laughs> For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? We're the house of Christ. If we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. You know, we go on in Hebrews, it says, hold fast to your confession. Get a grip on your confession and don't let it loose. Why? Because the power of our confession, the power of our confession that Jesus is Lord, not just uh, in the initial initiation of the recreation life that comes and recreates us on the inside, but the confession, the continual confession of the believer is to be Jesus is Lord. When you don't know what to do and it seems that circumstances over 
overwhelm you. Your confession needs to be, Jesus is Lord. Confession is the road which, which is the, excuse me, confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. In other words, I believe God. My faith is in God. My faith is in his words because his, he is his words. But my faith is in the person of God and in the person of Jesus Christ. And if your faith is only ever in, well, the scripture says this, the scripture says that. Well, that means nothing if you don't know who wrote the scripture. That means nothing if you don't know the author of the scripture. T.L. Osborne wonderful world missionary, gone on to heaven now, and we had the honor and the privilege to sit in some of his meetings in Tulsa uh, back in uh, 2005, and um, he was teaching on the miracle life, and he said, you know, when he first started out in ministry, uh, he and his wife Daisy, uh, they had a call of God upon their life. Do you know you can have a call of God upon your life and set out to accomplish it through natural means and fall flat on your face and wonder did I miss God? What happened? Doesn't God love me? I guess I must not have heard God. I guess I must not know the Lord. No. The, the, the whole uh, theme of this series is that we enter into rest, and it's the rest of faith in God. And, that, and by doing that, we receive his grace, which is his ability, his empowerment, his favor, his life. Uh, you know, oh, praise the Lord. Okay. And so we, we enter into this by grabbing hold and staying firm of the great confession. So when these things come, um, you know, we're not just to say, oh, I wonder why that's happening. So what happened with T.L. and Daisy is they set out to be missionaries and they went to India. And they got to India and, uh, you know, gave up everything. Moved over there. Not to come back, to move over there. And they get there, man, after like six to nine months, they are like, ready to come back because they would go to minister to people and they would say, you know, you know, this is the holy word of God with their Bible. This is what God said. And so they'd say, God said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from, from the dead, you will be saved. And they said, oh, they said, that's wonderful. They said, This is the Holy Quran. This is not, this is the Bible. They had uh, Muslims there and of course Hindus. So they had uh, uh, the Quran and then they had what the Hindus use. And they found that the word of God written on the pages was no match. This, is like, this makes everybody go tilt was no match for what they said, well, this is our holy book, and this is what we say our prophets said, and this is what we said, this and this and this. Why? Well, so they started seeking, and they said, you know, really, the gospel is not, the, this, is, this is totally a side issue, but I'll just tell you. The gospel, if you look up the word gospel in the New Testament, it, the gospel is not the gospel until it's preached and until it's manifested with the power of God. The gospel has to be preached in power and in anointing. Otherwise, it's not the gospel. I love Peter. He said in uh, 1 Peter, I think it's uh, chapter 1, he said, we preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost. In other words, you have to have the life of God flowing through your speaking, through, flowing through your life and your being. Otherwise, it's not the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to him that believes. And so Teal and Daisy came back and uh, they, they started praying and seeking the Lord and, and then they saw uh, 
you know, uh, man of God in a meeting, and they saw miracles, and they saw people get up completely healed, completely restored. They saw Jesus in that man. And then actually, uh, they went home and they said, we're going to read our Bible like we've never read it before. So they went through the Gospels as they started reading and they started seeing stuff. In other words, they got beyond natural human thinking and religious thinking. Religious, r- religion tells, says, well, uh, if God healed today, then I would be healed because he loves me and because I'm a good person after all. In other words, religion is trying to uh, receive from the Lord based upon what I have done and what I do and, and how I see myself. Do you know sometimes how you act is not how you see yourself when you look at your heart? We judge ourselves by the intentions of our heart and we judge other people by their actions. But sometimes... If you'd look at your actions and compare it with with what is in your heart, you'd find they don't match up. The only real way to see is through the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, which I've been quoting a lot here, is uh, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, In other words, it goes to the very root of things. And what does it say next? And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So in other words, you get in the word of God. You don't just read, like I said, this is God speaking to you. This is God speaking to me. So you don't just read this as some book, another book, another source. But you read it as it is in truth, the very words of God, like Paul said, And you let that word admonish you. And you let that word direct you. And you let that word reveal to you. And how does that happen? Because you're looking to him that's on the inside while you're reading his words. The Holy Spirit, you you can't learn anything, but the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. In other words, you can't get this stuff just by your head. Light has to come. You know, it's like when you don't have light. If we turn out all the lights in here this morning, which there are a a lot of lights this morning. But if we turned out all the lights and shut those doors, it would be pretty dark in here, except for maybe the exit signs. And right now, because your eyes are the way they are, you would probably have difficulty getting out of this room without hitting something. Even though, right now, if you got up and walked out, you would have no trouble whatsoever. Because where there is no light, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to have difficulties. Uh, but Jesus came, and he is the light, and he brought the light. So, but uh, verse, back to verse 6. But Christ, as a son, over whose own... I didn't finish that story, did I? So they got in the word, and they saw Jesus in the word. And then they saw Jesus in them. And they went out, and they said, we're just going to act like this is true. We're just going to say, you know. And so they set up healing meetings. They'd never done it before. And they said, you know, uh, they advertise these healing meetings. And, of course, the devil said to him, uh, what are you doing? Nothing's going to happen. And they said, anybody needs healed? They said, whoever comes up there, you're going to be healed. And he said, you know, the Lord doesn't always do this. But, man, everyone that came up, deaf person, healed, 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 healed. Boom, boom, boom. He confirms his word with signs following. So if you receive whatever you receive from the Lord, as far as the call of God upon your life, the plan of God for your life, the Lord does have a plan for each and every person. But if we set out to fulfill that 
and our own natural abilities, we'll live a life that's, hmm, I expect it because God said this, or because I had this, maybe better to say than God said it, is because I had a witness on the inside, this is what I was supposed to do. I expected to see more amazing things. I expected to have more of this and more of that. Well, I would just say, if you don't do it in his ability, then you're only going to get what you could produce. But if you do it in his ability, leaning upon his word, leaning upon his spirit, well, then he enables you, uh, well, then he's enabled to flow through you. Uh, verse 7, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. In other words, in the wilderness, remember we talked about the Hebrew children, they provoked God because why? They had an evil report of doubt and unbelief. And so they didn't believe God. God said, here's the promised land. I have given it to you. Go and possess it. But they said, well, but there's giants in the land. Uh, you know, and uh, we're not, we're like, uh, grasshoppers in their sight. And even we think we look like grasshoppers. So to them we look like grasshoppers and we think we look like grasshoppers to them. And so they're measuring completely by what they see and what they think. Not by what God said. Verse 9. When the fathers tempted me, uh, uh, proved me and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart and have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they will not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another today when it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Man, there's so much. You know, sin is so deceitful. In other words, uh, it looks like one thing, but it's not what it looks like. The, the, Satan himself masquerades or dresses up as an angel of light. Well, an angel's like a messenger or a servant. And so, all, a servant of what? Of light. In other words, well, this looks right. This, this looks like the way to go. And, and sure, this should be the right way. And, you know, um, we don't want to make anybody feel bad. And, you know, everybody can just decide what they feel like feels good to them. And then that's okay for them. And, and, and be, be on their way to hell. In earth and after the earth. Because, uh, you know, well, we, we, we wouldn't want anybody to have to abide by any rules of anything that they didn't come up with. It, it, it replaces, uh, the world system replaces God and puts man in that place. It says whatever man says, um, that's what it is. So take heed, brethren, lest uh, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, and that your heart is hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made, it reminds me of what Paul said, that you can actually sear your conscience. How is that? Well, because you know uh, you shouldn't be doing that. And all of a sudden you go down that path and each time you do it, it gets a little easier, a little easier, a little easier. It sounds a lot like that your heart is hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of the confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard it, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Verse 18. And to whom... Swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Chapter 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Uh, Remember faith? is believing God and looking to God. And faith is surrendering yourself or turning away from yourself uh, and your own motives and your, your, your own uh, abilities and the world's motives and the world's abilities and turning to God. In other words, they didn't uh, surrender to what was spoken. Verse 3, for which we believed, uh, for we which believed do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from his works. And in this place, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. That's one of my favorite scriptures is verse 3. For he which believes does enter into rest. I love that scripture because when I am looking to the Lord in an area of my life, that's not really true. What I just said is not true. When I think I'm looking to the Lord in an area of my life, right? so I think I'm believing God or I think I'm in faith, right? And I'm agitated and I'm not full of joy, and I'm not at rest and at peace, well, that is a sure indication to me, um, uh, maybe you think you're believing God, but you're not, because you're worried about this, because you're, you're overly anxious about this, because you're, you're overly concerned about this. And so as soon as you do that, you take yourself out of the place of the blessing of God, and you get where you can only have what you could produce. And on that territory, it's a very bad scenario because um, worry is a form of fear and um, God cannot work through worry or fear. God works through faith. Verse 8, for if Jesus had given them rest, then they would not hereafterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. Hallelujah. For he that is entered into rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man shall fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or confession or hold fast to saying the same thing. 
For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was all in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, if we have a high priest who is tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, he's saying, uh, you're going to have some pressure come against you. You're going to have some temptation come against you. You're going to have some things come against you that make you want to not confess what the word says. That what you're going to want to confess is, I guess it's not working. I guess I don't know anything. I guess the Lord is this and the Lord is that. But we're missing the whole context of what the Holy Ghost just said. He that believes does enter into rest and has ceased from his labors just like God when he created the earth ceased from his. And so if you are laboring and working and trying to make it happen and trying to get favor with God, you have just um, bypassed his grace and you have just bypassed his mercy. Verse 16, let us therefore, in, in light of this, let us therefore boldly come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need mercy is available and grace is available in our time of need but he said let us come boldly unto the throne of grace Grace is defined in so many ways. You know, the more I study it, the more you realize grace is so amazing that um, you can't put some fancy, short, little definition on grace. I mean, I think that's why I think one of the best ways to say is Jesus is the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace, grace used to happen when you'd have kings that would go into battle and they would conquer the foes. And when they would conquer the foes, instead of just uh, annihilating them and destroying them, they would show them mercy and grace. And they would actually come into covenant with them. They would cut a covenant with those that they were going to conquer. And they'll say, you know what? Instead of destroying you, instead of utterly defeating you, I'm going to come into covenant with you. And when I come into covenant with you, everything that I have is now going to belong to you and you're going to become part of me. And so grace actually gives you an attraction. We think favor, well, I'm favored of the Lord. No, no, no. When the grace of God is manifesting in you and operating in you, you become attractive. Well, I mean, yeah, you're going to be better looking because you're just full of, full of the life of God and the hope of God, uh, and it's going to affect how you look. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking like magnetism, like an attractiveness. This is, you know, I have that big old dictionary I told you guys about, so that's what I've been looking up grace in that big dictionary. And so what happens is when the grace of God comes upon you, you get this attractiveness that attracts the blessings of God and attracts the attention of people because they can see, and they may not even know with their eyes, but they know with their heart that person is, there's something different about them. They are favored of the Lord. Jesus came. Jesus is the ultimate example of uh, a human in flesh full of what, John 8, grace and truth. 
And so when we come into the throne room of God boldly, we come before the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the second that we come not based on ourselves but based on the blood of Jesus, we come into the throne room of God boldly. Why? Not Because we're not coming based on us. We're not coming based on what we did or what we could do. Good or bad. We're not coming based on us. But we're coming like, like, what's our access badge? Our access badge is the blood of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And so that lets us in. Jesus lets us in. He brings us in and brings us to the Father. And then when we go into the presence of God, we go and we obtain mercy and grace. In other words, we get this attractive favor that attracts all of the blessings of God. But the only way you get there is by entering into rest. Hebrews said, uh, let us labor to enter into rest. What is that? That is believing God. Faith gives you access to the grace of God in every area of your life, from the beginning to the end. The blessings of God, the mercies of God, the loving kindness of God are all accessed by faith. And really faith in his grace. Faith in his favor. That he has favored us. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Uh, okay, I'll finish with, with, this, with this one other thing. Um, I'm almost out of time, and I didn't, uh, I'm not going to be able to go to the other place. Um, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. There is a rest to the people of God, and there is a refreshing. This is talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. You know, uh, the, the Hebrew children didn't enter in because of unbelief. They didn't enter into the promised land. Well, the promised land is not a type of heaven. The promised land is a type of the fullness of the Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being full of the Spirit of God. And so when you're full of the Spirit of God, you've ceased from your own labors. I mean, from the initial evidence, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, when he has come, he shall speak, Jesus said. And uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's such a vivid physical manifestation and example of what happens when you enter into rest. When you cease from your labor and you say, okay, Lord, it doesn't mean that you do nothing because what you're doing is, you know, if you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you have to yield to him. He will not force you. Uh, he's not a demon. The Lord uh, will entreat you and um, invite you and prompt you, uh, but he will not force you. And so uh, you're going to yield to the Spirit of God and speak. Well, James said, your tongue will control the whole course of your life, just like a rudder on a ship or a bit in a horse's mouth. Wherever your tongue goes, there your life is going to go. And so I love that the Lord saw fit uh, to give us the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Ghost so that this tiny member that's set on fire of hell can actually be set on fire from heaven. 
tongues of fire set upon each of them so that we speak and we yield our tongue to the Lord and we, we speak out utterances that not, come not of us but come from God. That is like the great example of entering into rest. I mean, we just read it in Isaiah that um, with stammering lips in another tongue will I speak to this people, yet they wouldn't hear. Or this is the rest, this is refreshing, yet they wouldn't hear. So they said, well, oh, give us something else. Give us something else. There must be something else. There must be something else. No, no, no. This is the access to the mighty workings of God. And as soon as you can yield your tongue to him, all of a sudden you speak out divine mysteries, divine secrets. You are built up on the inside. You're edified. It's like charging a car battery that you're just constantly charged, 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 so that you stay fully charged. And when you're full of the Holy Ghost, people look better to you. Circumstances don't look like insurmountable to you. They're not overwhelming. Because why? You're full of God. You get full of the Holy Ghost, and what happens? He begins to speak. So you enter into rest, and you let him speak. What does that mean? Well, you may find the same, the same unction you have uh, for utterance to come forth to yield to utterance. You may have unction to say something in a, in a known language. Maybe to prophesy. The Bible says, as believers, you may all prophesy. What is that? Speaking under divine unction. Words to edification, to build up, exhortation, and comfort in a language that you know, but not stuff you came up with in your head. It came from the Spirit of God. And we're to labor to enter into this rest, that we cease from our labors and we enter into his. So that we're not trying to figure out, oh, am I supposed to do this, supposed to do that, supposed to do this? No, no. We just focus on our life is surrender. Lord, I'm surrendered to you. Lord, I look to you. I give you place. And I allow you to use my body, to use my lips, to use my resources to bless people and to minister to people. Stand with me if you would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is full of life and power, that you sent your word and you delivered us, delivered us from the power of darkness, delivered us from the power of sin, delivered us from the power of the consciousness of sin. Father, thank you that you healed us, healed us of every sickness and every disease and every infirmity and that you set us right with you. In the name of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he paid the price with his own precious blood to remove every sin, every stain that sin left in your life. That what you are and who you are is the one that God has favored. And the one that God has loved, loved, and the one that God has chosen. While we were sinners, he died for us. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to, you'd like to receive him. Maybe you've been in church for a long time. Maybe you've known about him. But you can know him personally. If that's you here this morning, I want to pray with you and for you. Uh, slip up your hand. We'll pray for you. You'll enter into the kingdom of God. Your life will be changed forever. 
never the same. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, there is a spirit after, an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost where he will rise up within you and give you utterance and you'll be so full. This is where the power's at. If, that, if that's you this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit but you'd like to, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. You'll be filled, full, overflowing. Well, Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. It is in his name that we have come. It is in his name that we live and that we move and that we breathe and that we have our being. We find our being. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, as we go, that you would quicken your word unto us, Father, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we'd be doers of your word. Father, I thank you for a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Father, that we're so full of you and so full of all that you are that we allow you to use us and to speak through us and to show us things to come. In Jesus' name, amen.